time we'll open our Bibles to the book of Acts in chapter 16 and look at the first five verses of Acts chapter 16. As a church family we've been going through this series in the book of Acts called Partnership and highlighting the ways in which uh, from the beginning being a part of the body of Christ has always included being a part of a family, not feeling like you're alone or isolated, but having other people who could support you along the way. And even as Christians, we might remember some of the names like Peter and Paul who did significant things uh, for the church, who wrote letters that we read in the New Testament, and we might forget about some of the others who played just as much of an important role in Barnabas and Silas and Timothy. And so even as we think about our uh, barbecue fundraiser coming up uh, and the support of missions in particular, it's always uh, something that requires many people to be involved. And even in our own lives, if we're going to live effectively today for Christ, it's important who we're in relationship with, who our friends are. Do they encourage us to do good things or do they discourage us in our walk with the Lord? Do they bring us down or do they help strengthen us and build us back up? And today we're only looking at five verses from Acts chapter 16 and we're going to learn about a young man named Timothy. And so if you don't have a Bible with you, these verses will appear on the screen. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, 
the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And that'll conclude our reading for this morning. But one of the things that uh, Luke introduces to us right away about Timothy that is unique is that Timothy experienced the challenge of difference. Uh, Timothy had a mother who was Jewish in background and a father who was Greek in background. Now, when we hear that, it would be a mistake if what we heard was that Timothy's mother was very religious and that his father was not religious. Because the reality is that Timothy's father would have been just as religious as Timothy's mother. And so he grew up in a home where they were committed as mother and father to different religions. Later, in a, in a letter of Paul to Timothy, he, Paul says, I know that from your youth, from when you were very young, you were well acquainted with the scriptures because of your mother and your grandmother. And so we know that uh, the faith of Timothy's mother was very sincere, and she wanted her son to know the scriptures. But therefore, she would have had this experience of wanting her son to obey the scriptures, but would not have had the freedom from her husband to let her son do what the scriptures had said would be a mark of the covenant. And there would have been this difference. And we see this because the town that Timothy is from is called Lystra. And just a few chapters earlier in chapter 14, when Paul went there with Paul and Barnabas, uh, there was a dramatic healing that took place. And it says the Greeks who saw the dramatic healing that took place by the prayers of Paul and Barnabas said, the gods have visited us. And so they called Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, and they started to worship them. And Paul and Barnabas had to say, no, 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 we are not gods. Please don't bow down and worship us. That, that is totally inappropriate. Uh, God has done this, but we're not the gods. <laughs> we, we, we talk about God, we serve him, but no one should ever worship us as gods. So we could see that the Greeks of this town were also very religious. They wanted to even worship Paul and Barnabas, and they had to say, no, don't do that. And so Timothy grew up knowing what it was like to have a mother and a father who themselves didn't agree on what they believed. But then something else happened when the missionaries first came to Lystra. It says when Paul taught in the synagogue, many Jews and many Greeks believed. And then that bothered the Jews who did not believe in Jesus, and it also bothered the Greeks who did not believe in Jesus. So now we went from two categories to four. There were those who were Jewish and those who were Greek, and then there were those of a Jewish background who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and that put them at odds with their own Jewish brothers and sisters. And the Greeks who said, we no longer worship Zeus, and we no longer worship Hermes, and we no longer worship all those gods. We believe that we're supposed to worship Jesus. That created a whole other level of difference. And this is what Timothy grew up in. This is what he was surrounded by. 
He knew people and loved people who saw things very differently and believed things very differently. And this is what Luke tells us about him. And so when Paul identifies him and and Timothy himself has built up a reputation as being a good disciple, it says that people know about him and he has a reputation consistent with his mother and his grandmother. But Paul realizes that in taking him, he's now going to, People are going to know things about him, and because they know things about his father or his mother, they're going to assume certain things about him. And so Paul says, we have to be careful that we don't cause any stumbling blocks to the mission along the way. And so it says Paul takes him and has him circumcised so that there's not a barrier to their mission to the Jews, which is another difference. Paul had just come from the Jerusalem council where they had decided that you didn't have to do that. It was one of the debates that they had in the church. Do people in joining this new community of believers in Jesus have to do all of the things that the Jewish believers uh, had to do? And the answer was, no, they don't. And then Paul makes Timothy do what the letter said, you don't have to do. But Paul said, you don't have to, but I'm going to encourage you to because I think it helps the mission. It moves the mission forward because of this. And so when we consider all of that that Timothy himself would have experienced and all of those differences, we know that one of Timothy's ways of handling this was not to simply become overwhelmed and say, I can't make any choices. I can't decide for myself what I think. No, he loved his mom, he loved his dad, he loved his cousins and all of his extended town. He had a good reputation. And where he might have been tempted to just put a coexist bumper sticker on the back of his car, and not that that's a bad thing, but that's not where Timothy stopped. It's a good thing that we learn how to coexist with people who disagree with us. We don't choose who our father is. We don't choose who our mother is. And so when they believe very different things than we do, there's nothing in the Bible that tells us to not love them, to not honor them, to not care for them. We are responsible as witnesses of Christ to love all the people that he's put in our lives. But all of this difference that Timothy experienced then would have given him an extraordinary gift of empathy that if you would have said, you know, Timothy, you're coming into our town and you're preaching this message, do you know how difficult it is for someone who's been raised their whole life on the Ten Commandments and that we're not supposed to make in commandment number two any image of God and anything in his likeness and you're telling us that God came in human flesh and he was in human likeness and we're supposed to follow him and that's not a violation of the second commandment? For Timothy, that wouldn't have just been ideas in his head. He would have said, no, I know how hard this is. And I know how how difficult it will be if you say you want to come forward and you believe in this, that you might be unwelcome in places you used to be welcome. And if anybody would have come and said, you don't know what it's like to be Greek and to believe in every kind of a God and worship all kinds of things and then have someone come along and say, there's only one God. And how can you believe there's only one when we've been worshiping so many for so long? But for Timothy, he would have said, no, I I know what that's like. Let me tell you about my dad. Uh, This is, and let me tell you about the town I came from. Let me tell you about all the different religious things that they did. And so Timothy would have had a tremendous amount of empathy for that. And you can always tell when you're dealing and talking with someone who can say, I know what it's like. We all go through different struggles, and no one person's pain is exactly like another. But there is something unique that takes place when you know that someone has walked down a road 
that you've walked down. They've lost someone they love. They've had the experience of a disease invading their family that has just wrecked them. Uh, they have a child who doesn't listen to them and, and, and won't do the things they say. And no matter how good and loving they are as a parent, they just feel like they're not making any progress with one of their children. When you're going through the struggle, you want to find someone who knows what it's like to have gone through the same thing. Not that they then have all the answers, not that everything about their experience can be the same as yours, but there is something about that that draws us in when we know we're not the only ones who struggled. And Timothy has this amazing gift of empathy in all the places he goes, and it's going to be different. So first they go to a few towns uh, in and around his region where he's well-known, but then all of a sudden, Paul, though he wants to go further, gets stopped by the Holy Spirit and says, no, not anymore here. You're going to go to Macedonia. No more in this part of the world. You're going to Macedonia. And geographically, the whole mission shifts, which I'm wondering if Timothy then ever pulled Paul aside and said, hey, Paul, you know that thing you said I had to do? I didn't really have to do it. If we're going to a whole other town where nobody knows who I am and they don't know I have a Greek father, do you think we could have skipped a step? Luke doesn't record it, but I'm just like, they had to have a conversation at some point to say, well, do you think this was really necessary? And then now we're going to a totally, so we, got, we did all of this planning for this, and now life is taking us in this direction. And then by the time uh, Timothy reconvenes in Acts chapter 18 with Paul in Corinth, eventually uh, there's enough of a pushback from the Jews in Corinth that Paul says, from now on, I'm going to be a missionary to the Gentiles. So there was this huge geographic shift from Turkey to Macedonia, and then there was this strategic shift from going to the synagogue first to considering himself primarily a missionary to the Gentiles. And in all of that change in the mission, if you said, I need someone who just knows what it's like to be in a lot of different settings of people of different backgrounds who very much disagree on things, and say, who would be an ideal candidate for that? Someone like Timothy. <laughs> Someone like him who could come along and have empathy in all of those situations to interact with people. And this is a challenge for us uh, to realize that our witness can often only go as far as we can make real human connections with people and understand them. And I don't know if you feel like you're surrounded by that in this moment. Are you mostly surrounded by people who all have the same perspective politically or economically or school-wise? If you are, you'll have the benefit of having a lot of your ideas reinforced. But if you don't love anyone who disagrees with you, your experience of love will be very different. It won't be as deep as it could be. But when you say you love people who you know would very much disagree with each other, it just shapes the way you love them. It shapes the way you care about them. And I am thankful in my life to have people who I are have very different ideas on a variety of subjects. And I always say to my conservative friends, they probably wish I was more conservative. And to my liberal friends, they probably wish I was more liberal. Uh, and I think I equally frustrate a good number of people. But I can say, not theoretically, the difference between one news station or another. I can talk about a relationship I have and say, if I talk to this person, this is how they're going to see the world. And if I talk to this person, this is how they're going to see the world. I don't know how much they want to talk to each other, but they both love me and I love them both. How do I do that? 
and I don't have a ton of answers per se, but I am so thankful for the way I have to wrestle with issues and questions because I know real people who are affected by the choices that are being made. And I think all of us become stronger in our witness of the uncertainties that come up, whether they're geographic changes or strategic shifts that change, uh, the more we can empathize with people. And again, not be paralyzed to say, wow, there's so many differences, we can never come up with our own conclusions. We can never plant our flag in the ground and say, this is where we stand. No, we can, Timothy does. He identifies as a Christian. That puts him at odds in part with some of his Jewish background and puts him at odds with some of his Greek background. But as a Christian, he desires to love them both. And then through his life and the rest of Acts, we see mainly this witness of his service. Uh, Timothy is mentioned here in chapter 16, and then again in chapter 17, then again in 18, and then we last hear about him in Ephesus in chapter 20. And one of the unique things is that we never hear Timothy's voice. He never says anything as a character. So if you're reading just any novel, and there's someone who's always there, but they, they never have a line. They're always on stage, but they're never given the song to sing or the thing to say. It's this interesting observation that then in so many other letters, Paul refers to him as a, as a co-author of a letter or then eventually some letters are addressed to him. But the main window we get into Timothy is not what he said, but what we get about him and his good reputation is the heart that he had to serve. He was willing to do whatever was asked for him, willing to go wherever he was asked to go, and as a result was this indispensable teammate who eventually was made the head of a church in Ephesus. But up until then, we don't hear a lot of his opinion or a lot of his thought. We just encounter him as someone who's willing to serve. And so one of the connections for me and as Luke is writing this as part two is thinking of almost Mary in the Gospels where she is told, hey, you're gonna have a baby. She's not like consulted and asked, hey, would you like to have one? Do you think this is a great idea? Was this the plan that you had for your life to experience this? And her response humbly is just, behold, I am your servant. And she accepts God's plan for her life and all that that would mean for her, all the challenge that that would bring, and yet all the goodness and the blessing that it will bring. And Timothy is like that. He's a willing servant, ready to go, willing to go, and do what's asked of him. And therefore, eventually, he makes a great leader. Because in the kingdom of God, the best leaders are those who are first the great servants. And we see this ultimately in Jesus Christ himself. That in the course of his ministry, after he taught and said and did everything he did, there was a point in time when he allowed himself to be taken. And he becomes passive. And we don't continue to hear him teaching, but he is bound and chained, scourged, and then hung on a cross. And in that moment that looked like weakness, he was actually witnessing to the world what real love is. That he was willing to let that happen to him and be a sacrifice and a substitute for our sins. That's the witness of service. 
And that's the opportunity when we feel like we don't always know what to say to the people that we're encountering who have very different perspectives. It is hard to dispute when someone knows and can tell. You love them and you're willing to serve them. Even and especially at times when they know you disagree with them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Timothy as someone who in his own life and story would have been surrounded by people that he loved from very different backgrounds and perspectives and that he wasn't himself paralyzed by that, unable to think through as someone made in your image how to love you with his own heart, soul, and mind, but that he was willing to stand for you, willing to claim you, to believe that Jesus was the Messiah and to accept all that that would mean for his life. And we pray that you would help us to do that as well, to be people filled with your love, seeking to love those around us who don't agree with us, who don't share our perspective. We thank you for the opportunity this morning to hear Jimmy's testimony and his love of you and as he even shared of his own upbringing and how he has no regrets with how his mother and father raised him in the faith and raised him in church and the goodness that that was for him and yet now as an adult in identifying himself with you directly, making a choice for himself and now thinking through how to love all the people in his life. Uh, we just pray that you'd give him wisdom and insight on how to do that. That as followers of you, you've called us to be available and accessible to all who are around us and to simultaneously stand for the truth and be filled with grace and empathy for those who might not believe the things that we believe. We need your grace to do that. And so we pray that even as we look at Timothy's example, that you would help us apply that and interpret that in our own day uh, so that we can be a witness in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Stand as a singer of closing song.
to Jesus I surrender make me Savior ultimate act of empathy. Go in the name of him who understands our pain and in his baptism was willing to die and rise again. This will conclude our service.